Welcome to the Purple Path with a Yell, a podcast where we explore what it means to live a life in pursuit of radical authenticity. I am your host, Ayel, and today I am joined by my very dear friend and fellow creative, Appleby. He is one of my closest friends in music and someone who has always been there for me over the years and always with such a beautiful grounding and non-judgmental energy. Anybody who knows him will tell you the same. He is a real one. Our Skype call conversations over the years across continents to Zoom and FaceTime have often lasted for hours and hours. Appleby has such a beautiful way with words in his songwriting, but also in conversation, as you're about to find out. And he's brimming with wisdom and warmth. So it was definitely tricky to keep this conversation below an hour but I'm just so excited to share it with you guys. In this episode, we talk about why being intentional in how we create and release our art matters, striking a balance between our creative pursuits and our mental health, music as therapy as well as the pitfalls, developing a sense of feeling that we're enough, celebrating our wins, whether they seem small or big, and getting creative with that process taking time off social media to create more intentional impact, and staying humble and kind. Appleby is a quiet creative from Miami whose vulnerability lives on the surface of his artistry. Although he finds it difficult to describe the genre of music he makes, it's fair to say it's nostalgia wrapped in honesty with a hint of glitter and hope. Appleby is someone who chooses words carefully and has spent much of the last two years in silence. In the time away, he's been working to regain his sense of self-worth and reconnect with the inner child he felt was dying. In his mind, he is in the middle of becoming a butterfly. So before we get into it, I just want to mention a couple of things. I am finally launching some merch for my recent project, Shadow Self Love, which you can find the link to in the show notes. And it's only going to be available for a couple of weeks. And I made the design myself and it's inspired by thoughts around shadow work and ancestral healing. So make sure you check that out. And also for the Patreon bonus this week, I'm doing something a little bit different. I'm starting to think about which songs to release in what order next year. And to be honest, I'm sitting on so much material already that it's kind of hard to choose so I thought I'd share three of my unreleased demos on the Patreon this week. And then you guys can let me know which ones are your absolute favorites. And I will take that into account when I plan my releases for next year. So you can find that over at patreon.com slash the purple path and subscribe at the $3 level for even more content and support on your journey. This Patreon helps me keep this podcast completely ad-free and your support really helps me to just keep going and sharing more. So thank you. Now, without further ado, let's get into this conversation with Appleby. Hi, Appleby, and welcome to The Purple Path. Hey, thanks for having me. This is incredibly exciting. Obviously, you and I have had many conversations before this, but it's exciting to do this for the first time. Yeah, it's so good to have you on the podcast because you are one of my oldest friends in the music industry. And I think we first met on what was formerly known as Twitter, like eight or nine years ago, right? 
Yeah, I yeah. want to say, I, I believe, like, there was, like, some SoundCloud messaging. Oh, and was it SoundCloud, actually? Yeah, I, I, I feel like it was SoundCloud, and I don't, we'd have to, like, go back and check the record books, but yeah. I want to say you and I had some conversations in SoundCloud DM, and we were mutual fans, and then I think that trickled over into Twitter um, yeah, shortly that before. Yeah, probably what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember listening I to your tunes. Like on, yeah. on SoundCloud and being like, wow, I'm so inspired. <laughs> same, very much same. I believe that you're my first music friend, like away from like the city that I lived in, uh, which wow. is really exciting because that was what, 2014? Yeah. Uh, end that's, of 2014. That's such an honor. Really crazy. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, like our friendship has been such an anchor for me in the industry mm. and you have always been and continue to be such an inspiration to me from the way that you interact with people from such an authentic and grounded place to the mm. way that you release your music with so much beautiful intention and of course the incredible art you make. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I mean, I feel flattered in that. Like when you when you first start making music, it's kind of um, selfish, uh, I think, in exploring who you are and what it is that you're trying to say and figure out how to say it. But I think anytime you find somebody out there that loves what you do or connects to what you do, it makes you feel a little less alone. So I think for, for you and I, I think we connected there first and you know, our relationship has developed from there, but I feel the same exact way. You've always been like an inspiration for me. It's just somebody who's a prolific writer, um, prolific speaker and, and just connects with their heart. So, I mean, this just feels like a, a total like, <laughs> fun experience being able to do this uh, together. Thank you. Yeah, it really does. Um, I would love to start off by letting our listeners get to know you a little bit better in your own words. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's see. How do I... Okay. Well, first and foremost, uh, my name is Appleby as an artist. Uh, My real name is Justin. Um, Appleby is actually my family's name. Um, It's my mom's maiden name. And When I first started making music, I actually kept it a secret from my friends and family for maybe the first four years. So um, it was a fun way for me to feel connected to them through that process, despite keeping such a big secret from them. Um, And previous to music, I grew up playing tennis. Tennis was my life from the age of five till about 17. Um, and when I stepped away from tennis, I pretty much lost who I was as a person and my identity in full. And it wasn't until I started making music that I sort of rediscovered who I was and sort of my purpose in life. And, you know, here we are today, just learning how to make it a career and try to keep my head above water. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you are someone who puts a lot of thought and intention into everything you do. So could you talk a little bit about what this process is like for you and why it's important to you to be very intentional with your art as well as how you go about sharing it? Yeah, no, I mean, thank you for first and foremost to, to recognize the intention. I think that's only been something I've focused on as far as using the word intention, maybe in the last two years or so, maybe in the last years, it become like a real focal point and a real strength of mind to accept that's how I want to create. But as far as the, the process for me to get to this point is 
again, when I first started, you're just trying to do things, I think, from an aimless standpoint or just more so just an eagerness to hear your voice or see something that you've made come to life. Um, and for you and I both, you know, you put those things out immediately without thinking too much about it in the same way the business kind of shapes the way you maybe look at your art over time. And I think for me, I hit a certain wall a couple of years ago where it just felt like I wasn't connecting to my art the same. And, and in reality, it was because I wasn't connecting to myself in the same way. And so because of that, I sort of took a pause. And when I took a pause, I started learning, learning a little bit more about myself and learning that I wanted to put that full extent of me and the lessons that I was learning about me into my art, because it felt like the best chance of me making a real impact and creating spaces that I felt like could be safe and should be safe um, for the audience that I wanted to curate. And that's where the intention sort of came in. So um, I feel honored that there was a feeling of intentionality previous to that moment. Um, but I think there was always the goal of just being as honest and authentic as I could. I just now know how to do that more through just the music and, and the art and videos and all the other things that follow being an artist. So yeah, it's been a fun process, a long one, a difficult one. <laughs> um, and if it wasn't for friends like you or family um, in my corner, I don't know if I could have done this and, and, and primarily having an audience out there waiting to receive my art has been the, the main thing keeping me together through the process. Yeah. It's so interesting that you say that it's something that you only just kind of discovered or started to think about more intentionally <laughs> to be intentional <laughs> in the past few yeah. years when my perception yeah. of you has always been, you know, like, Oh, Applebee is so intentional <laughs> with every yeah. single project, like everything yeah. you do, like you have this yeah. vision and you meticulously, you know, plan out your releases and, and these beautiful projects. And thank you. Thank I feel you. like every time I try to put together a project, <laughs> I'm just scrambling. I'm like, yeah, you know, no, like no. by the time I get, anything that looks like a project I've already kind of like grown away from it and yeah, I'm like oh yeah, no I want to do something yeah. else <laughs> <laughs> no that's that's definitely a, an artist struggle is is understanding how to stay connected to it through the process um I think I think it's cool because I think my intentionality has grown to understanding what it really means to be intentional um, I think there was always a purpose in what I was doing but the idea is to be fully yourself and I don't think I knew who I was in the beginning to understand how to communicate that. And I think that's where the intentionality lies now. It's just understanding who I am and what it is that I want to say, because I think we live in such a saturated world and such a saturated market as humans um, as well, that, that it makes it difficult to understand, like, how to communicate anything and if there's an actual need for me to say anything. So now I just sort of speak when it's necessary to. And if I am going to speak, then I do want it to feel like it means something. So at least when you think of Applebee, you do think of that first and foremost, more than you do the selfish nature of being an artist. Yeah. Wow. That's, yeah, that's so difficult though <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I say it like it's easy it's like one of the hardest struggles ever <laughs> yeah and, and especially when you're trying to make a living off of your art right absolutely absolutely to, to be so like meticulous about how you you know just to hold that integrity and in what it is yeah. you want to put out there whilst yeah. also making sure that you're kind of okay 
no, that's definitely one of the biggest challenges. And I think uh, primarily no one tells you um, how to do any of it. And there's no real blueprint. So you have to listen to a lot and listen closely for the things that like will help you. And then I think just really having the best sort of team or a group of people around you to help nurture your way of doing things, which might be different than everyone else, but staying connected to that means really having the right people to keep you anchored to your why. Yeah. I really think that's so, so key. And another thing we talk a lot about on this podcast is how to find balance between pursuing our goals and creative pursuits and taking care of our mental health. Mm. And I'd love to hear you elaborate a bit on what this journey has been like for you and where you find yourself right now. Okay. Well, that's amazing that you, you know, have those conversations with everyone because I think you'll always get unique answers um, from each individual person. I think for me, um, mental health is is something that I'm only really developing as an understanding for my personal journey, more as I've gotten older. Um, so there's a lot of kindness that I give to myself and extend outwardly because of how much I understand we all deal with and how much we don't talk about what we deal with. So I think for me, artistically, I actually listened to the first song that I put out uh, ever. Um, and it's a song called Spit On Me, <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> and and uh, the very opening lyric, the first lyric is, uh, I hate the angry boy inside of me. He's so pissed off that he can't find no peace. And uh, when, I, when I listened to it, I, I remember the bedroom that I was in when I wrote it, the frustration I was experiencing internally as I wrote it. And I don't think I knew how to help myself then. I think art was how I was helping myself or maybe cover the wounds like a Band-Aid, but it's like a Band-Aid over a bullet wound. Like that's not going to do much good, but it is the start of learning that like I needed to speak it aloud first. I needed to not hide from the pain. I needed to voice it in every way that I could. Um, But as I've gotten older, um, I've learned how much I can be my own worst enemy and learning what those triggers are and understanding like how to protect myself even from myself. So a a thing for me that I started doing was one, establishing a separation between Appleby and Justin and creating a fine line for myself to understand that I am both and not just one or the other. Um, And then putting into place things that, you know, nurture Justin or nurture me as a person Um, away from my art, away from my career, away from the ladder climbing that can make living difficult because, you know, we we live in a community um, industry-wise that um, is transactional and, and life shouldn't feel transactional. So if I'm only nurturing one side of my life, be it art, um, you can get lost in that. And so for me now that I sort of put those separations in place, I do a lot more walking every morning. So I start mornings with about a two hour walk, somewhere around like five to six miles, enough for me to sort of clear my mind and and, and separate from the internet and separate from what my responsibilities may be for the day to give back to myself. So at least one part of my day, I'm nurturing that in case I'm not able to give back to me um, for a number of days or a number of hours or so. Those are the things that I feel like um, I started with. And then outwardly conversations like this with everybody that I love, everybody that I share space with has been another way of nurturing my mental health um, and listening. I listen a lot more now 
I used to listen a lot just as like a person, naturally as an observant person, but I listen now and more closely to what people are saying and, and what they're not saying and creating space for people to share um, what they may not know that they need to share and being able to look somebody in the eye that just sees them for an individual, not for what their words may be to other people. Yeah. I love that you take a two-hour walk every morning. That's <laughs> yeah. incredible. Yeah, and, um, yeah. It reminds me of this book that I read a few years ago called, I think it was called The Art of Rest. I'm going to look it up oh. and then I might put it in, put it in the yes. show notes. Yes, Because Please. it was so illuminating to me. They were talking about how important it is actually for creative people or just people in general, like not just creative people, just, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in my opinion, we're all creative, but... Anyways, yeah, I, <laughs> um, I was talking about how important it is to involve a lot of, like lots and lots of rest into your day, yeah. actually yeah. leave it into your day. And and that's not just like lying down on the couch, but like going out into nature specifically was one of the main mm. things. And mm. um, I think they were saying about how Einstein used to take like a two hour walk in like in the morning and then in the afternoon. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. And then he would only work for like a few hours and then he would, you know, like <laughs> do another restful activity or something. Uh, and don't quote me on that, That's but he was definitely one of the people they mentioned. And they were mentioning, you know, lots of these brilliant minds from, you know, over hundreds of years. And how they, you know, their diaries contain this information where they're basically Crazy. saying like, oh, yeah, what did I do today? Like, I went for my three-hour walk. <laughs> and then I, I then I had some ideas. Yeah, <laughs> and no, then I maybe no. applied those ideas to a theory for like one hour. And then That's I went funny. for another walk. <laughs> so That's really cool. That's yeah. Really cool. I think that that is amazing that, that yeah. you do that. And Thank you. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> It's 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 really cool. One is cool hearing that you know uh, Einstein specifically, and and I, I imagine many others. But I, I um, didn't realize how cathartic it would be, and how I guess um, how how much it would like feed my soul to kind of just be active in a um, very low impact way, and give me the opportunity to sort of spend time with you know the outside world in, in such a quiet way. I think it's participating with people without necessarily having to do anything physical. Um, so being able to like, you know, watch the community that you're around or listen to the birds or, or be able to, I don't know, listen to podcasts or music or whatever. It's just something that to me nurtures your spirit in a very physical way, in a very I'm alive way that scrolling on your phone sort of takes away from you. Um, and so that was my sort of reasoning for starting it. And now I stick with it because I recognize how much good it does for my mind and my body. So I don't feel healthy as far as a day is concerned until I've done that walk. Mm. Yeah, you're inspiring me too. <laughs> I've been I've been sick for the past two weeks. I've just been lying in bed oh, scrolling. No. <laughs> The danger zone, that's for yeah. sure the danger zone. I, I have been doing some meditations. Um, okay, I did 20 minutes okay. the other day, which I was proud okay. of. Um, okay, I respect because, that. I can't do that. 
I'm so bad at that. I've tried to sit still and like quiet my mind, but it's so loud. And I think walks are actually the way to quiet my mind, which is a very uh, unique way of doing things. Yeah, but that's beautiful. I think, you know, everybody finds different different ways and different techniques that works better for them. And it's just about embracing those techniques and, um, and yeah, not, not trying to force yourself into another person's narrative and mm, yeah fi- <laughs> just find your own that. find whatever works for you <laughs> i feel that yeah. that is definitely a difficult thing to do but definitely one of the best first initial ways to really find yourself as a person mm, yeah i also wanted to circle back to what you were saying oh, i love that line that you that you mentioned from your song can you repeat it one more time uh, that opening lyric? Yeah, that opening lyric. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I hate the angry boy inside of me. He's so pissed off that he can't find no peace. Wow. That's just so yeah. beautiful. <laughs> it's just, yeah, Thank I mean, it, it's, it's giving me flashbacks to why I, you know, connected so much to your music back in the day. You. you know, it's like, Thank you. I, I love songwriting and I'm always feeling super connected to artists that are first and foremost songwriters as well yeah yeah and i just yeah i love it when i when i stumble upon these like lyrical gems and i know yeah me that too. pull me in excites me so much <laughs> oh um he's kind of making me want to listen to that song but anyways i'm getting derailed <laughs> i wanted to say how you know that space that you were in i feel mm-hmm. like i would i've definitely also been in that space with my music yeah. i think that even when I started writing, um, like more, like I've, I've always been songwriting, but I, I really started to write like a lot around the age of 14, 15, because a lot mm. of difficult things were happening for me family wise at that age. Yeah. yeah. And, um, it was a lot of just darkness, like really, really sad, dark songs that I really needed to write at that time in order to process what was going on and what I was feeling. Yeah. But also at some point I did feel like, like I kind of um, <laughs> just almost like self-indulged in sadness. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and there are yeah. these like um, stereotypes in music, right. About like sad boy music and like sad girl music. And <laughs> yeah. these things. Yeah. I feel like I was definitely in that genre for a while. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. like it would be like the, my two things that I would make was either sensual music or like yeah. a sad song. And, and that's all That's all I knew how to make yeah. for the longest yeah. time. And it's yeah. so interesting because it's only quite recently, like in the last couple of years, I'd say, that I've started making music that like, you know, either was, wasn't sensual, mm-hmm. wasn't sad, but was something else, <laughs> you know? Okay, okay. And, Have you um, defined what that something else is? It just, um, hmm. I'd say I'd say I'm just coming out of a really deep depression to be honest mm. and as I've been coming out of that space and reconnecting to nature and reconnecting to um to other parts of myself allowing this multidimensionality um to just be rather than trying to define myself by who I've been previously I suppose and really mm-hmm. being open to that, being open to being cringe as well, I think has Absolutely. been major for me. Because <laughs> mm. I think for such a long time, I took myself so seriously. 
Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and that's definitely something that's starting to go away. I mean, if I, like, I would not be able to do this podcast <laughs> if I took myself as seriously as I did yeah. like four years ago. Like, no yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, I think that it's difficult to to kind of catch yourself and not become completely defined by the music mm. you make and what mm-hmm. started out as therapy and something that mm-hmm. helps you kind of alchemize pain into something Mm. beautiful becomes an identity and becomes almost destructive like I was just wondering have you found that have you had that experience as well that's a good question one also I love the alchemizing uh, of your pain as a you know a wonderful expression Um, I think that also (laughs) reminds me of why I love your writing so much is because your ability to find words um, to express an emotional space that you're in is a difficult thing, but we sort of, as songwriters, get to provide an opportunity to create a language for emotions that other people don't have the necessary gift to understand how to put into words. And so our, our music acts as a sort of um, <clears throat> speaker box for them. Um, and I think that that's what I've stayed connected to over time. But as far as when I first started, um, Shit, I like I just I I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew that I was in a, an emotional um, rut, and music um, that was down tempo, that was slow, that I will say is more emotional than I would say sad boy or sad girl. It was just all just like people that were in pain, and and used art as a as a way to speak about it because more often than not, most of those people don't talk about it with anybody else. So their art is where they go to express themselves. And that is where for me therapy lived until I started realizing that um, it helped me more to take it outside of the music and started taking it into my conversations and start understanding where some of that is coming from. So I could use music as a way to get it out of my body and understand what it is that I want to say. And then I would start sharing it outwardly. So I think I I don't think I ever really struggled with um, living in it. The thing that I think I struggle with most is understanding that that was um, valuable. I didn't think it necessarily provided a ton of value um, that you could be somebody that could figure out how you feel and that you could put it into art that other people also liked. So I was making songs that were personal to me, like that opening lyric, and then not realizing the value of it landing with people. Um, And that I found a lot of pleasure in that. I just didn't realize that that was something that could be the space that I curated as an artist. So it's taken me, what, nine years to finally realize that that's where I live as an artist. That's what makes my art mine. That's what makes it special to me. Um, And that's where, to me, the most impact or the best kind of impact as far as my value is concerned as an artist today is to be comfortable with your vulnerability, to understand that it's not easy to access those emotions and put it in front of people because you may look cringe for uh, expressing (laughs) some of these things. But I think to a certain group of people, you're exactly the beacon that they need to understand themselves a little better. So um, I don't know, at this point now, I take pride in that's just the best form of my art today and maybe that'll change into where I'm like making like super happy like fun let's party music but I think for the most part I'm just somebody that loves these kind of conversations and and putting it into art can can do a lot more people good than just yourself so um 
yeah, I think if it, if it is classified as sad boy, I probably will live in that space for the majority <laughs> of my life. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But, I love sad music and I will still always yeah, keep on making it. There is yeah, enough sadness to go around yeah, for, yeah, forevermore. Yeah, but I think, yeah. I think the cool thing now is, is, is juxtaposing that sadness. The thing that I didn't do then that I think I do now is, is mix those emotional lyrics with a, a beat production so things that make you feel like it's a ton of fun to listen to despite it being very raw and candid emotional lyrics oh my gosh yes that makes me think about one of my favorite songs of yours called enough ah oh, thank, yeah. you. thank and, you and the opening lines go show me you're in love tell me you're in, tell me i'm enough show yeah. me you're in love tell me i'm enough Mm-hmm. And that's so simple, but so powerful. And again and again, this is a concept that has come up a lot on this podcast, but it's mm-hmm. just so relevant. And I think whether it's in relationships or in general, in life, creative people especially seem to struggle a lot with feeling like we're enough. Mm-hmm. And this industry certainly doesn't make it easier. But uh, <laughs> could you speak about that? Um, what this song means to you, and also just what it, what being enough means to you, and yeah. what that journey has been like for you. Yeah. So um, first and foremost, thank you. Uh, I'm glad that that's one of your favorites of mine. It's also one of mine that I'm like most proud of because it was a turn of. Uh, tied for me as a creative, but um, that song uh, stemmed from the idea of my girlfriend and I, um, we were at the beginning stages of us dating and she was about 2000 something miles away from me. And I think the night before we had had like a little bit of an argument around um, me showing up and surprising her with her family and, and things like that. It was really, really early on for us. And um, that created a lot of emotions in me. And as she fell asleep and she was on FaceTime and put it on mute because, you know, she's passed out and I'm wide awake at like 2 a.m. Um, I thought about the, the moments before we started officially dating and um, the moments in which I didn't feel like I made her feel as special as she is to me. And uh, there's no real way to apologize for time periods in life where you don't show love to those that you do love or care about. Um, But it was important to me to find a way to say I'm sorry without really voicing the words in a way that feels meaningless. Um, So I sort of took this idea and put myself in her shoes and and the idea was to write a song about the moments in which you don't make someone feel like they're enough. And what does that feel like in the distance that you can create in a car if you separate yourself or isolate yourself? So I wanted to look at some of those moments and address it with the sincerity that I hadn't done before. And um, I did that in probably the fastest that I've written a song to date. Um and so, yeah, it stemmed from this idea of making somebody that I love feel like they were enough. And when I finished writing the song, um, I got a chance to send it to her in the morning and talk about it and, and be able to feel comfortable knowing that I would never do that again as a partner. Um, and it turned into a song that people resonate with from many different perspectives. Um, but that's initially what the concept of the song um, stemmed from. Um, and then as far as, yeah, um, as far as like me understanding what it means to, to be enough and the struggles around that, um, it's, it's personal value. 
Um, I, I use that word a lot now, the word value, um, because I never took ownership of me in all the facets of me, all the sides of me. I think I gave so much away for such a long time because I wanted validation, because I wanted to fit in, because I wanted people to like me. And I felt like I had enough likable qualities to, to share and to give, but also didn't realize how valuable they were. And so, again, when we step into what is a transactional uh, industry, and, and honestly, as you age, a transactional life, um, if you don't own those things and take ownership of who you are in complete totality, um, you'll find yourself empty and don't know why until you start breaking down what you've been doing and, and the, the give and take of life itself. So um, I started reserving a lot more energy for me and a lot more energy for those that really were, were sharing a vice versa um, transactional relationship to where it didn't feel transactional. It just felt healthy. Um, and that's put me in a much better mind state, a much better, um, I don't know, just mental space because I, I sort of take pride in me away from everybody taking pride in just one side of me. Um, and now I'm just careful when and where to give that. And, um, it's led to me just having more extended, happy moments and, and being present when I should be. Mm, wow. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's so real and really, really beautiful. And it brings me to, to another thing that I wanted to touch upon, which is how you, you have this really beautiful balance, right, between your masculine and feminine energies. Thank you. And, yeah, I would love to hear you talk a bit about that and your relationship with these energies, your experiences. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, fire, fire question. Um, <laughs> you're, you're amazing at this. So shout out to you for creating this platform. Thank uh, you. Wow. Um, as far as that's concerned, um, one, I don't think I ever really realistically thought about feminine and masculine energies as far as becoming an adult. I do remember the clear definitions and the way of looking at it when I was growing up. Um, but uh, I was raised around a village of women, uh, around a village of very strong um, Black women. And I think my definition of the two energies was just realizing that there is a fluidity and always has been, just sometimes based off necessity. Um, for me, I was raised um, by a single um, mother um, who had to take on both roles, which um, sort of forced me to grow up a lot faster because you can't necessarily um, rely on another partner to sort of help you raise someone. Um, and so I think for me, I learned a lot by listening to them and talking to them and understanding the way that they saw the world. Um, and so I think a lot of what probably would be my feminine energy, um, if that's a thing, um, stems from, from my upbringing next to them and, and listening to my cousins and, and sort of understanding that there is a delicate balance to life itself. And if we can listen to each other's ways of existing and, and responsibilities in life, um, we can better ourselves through it. So I think I was nurtured with such loving energy from that side of things that it helped me become a better man through listening uh, to them. 
Uh, so without them, I don't think there is a, a softness inside of me because it's not something that men are conditioned to um, to experience as you grow up. I remember the phrases of like, you know, boys don't cry or, or you know, the different verbiage of coaches or um, testosterone inside of locker rooms that sort of beat the um, softness out of men very early and and um, it's a very very difficult thing and a sad thing because I'd watch it happen to other people and I'd watch it sort of carve it out of me until I started taking ownership of my space and understanding that that softness allowed for me to be empathetic um, and and so yeah that's pretty much for me where that balance stems from and as I've gotten older I've just learned that that's just me I'm just two sides of a coin and comfortable with both sides <laughs> Uh, and anybody that judges that I think is less of a reflection of me and more of a reflection of them. And I can't necessarily take that personal anymore. That's their own problem that they have to work through. And um, that's a much safer space for me to live in because um, I love me. <laughs> and so if you don't necessarily <laughs> love me, then I understand uh, you have other people that um, you can put that energy into. Wow. Shout out to your mom. <laughs> right, Honestly. right. No, I know. She's the best. She did an amazing job. <laughs> she did indeed. I adore her with all of my heart. <laughs> um, another thing that I really admire about you is the way in which you celebrate your wins. Because <clears throat> I think that a lot of a lot of the time as artists, we really forget to do that. And we're always going after the next thing and the next thing. But I think you have a beautiful way of appreciating those moments. Like mm. on your Instagram, there's a picture of you holding balloons from when mm -hmm. your song Emergency hit a million yeah. streams. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I also remember going to a picnic that you threw in the park when I was living yeah. in LA. And that was yeah. also to celebrate another one of your projects. And you had yeah. these little really cute cookies that you made, yeah. like especially yeah. for the release. Yeah. Yeah. And it was so oh, creative. And that's so beautiful. funny. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That was so much fun. And I'm so glad that you were here for that. Yeah, me too. And yeah, it's just it's just really inspiring. And I, I love how you find ways to to celebrate milestones and so yeah. you make it kind of more tangible because yeah. a lot of it is just happening online these days, right? But you kind yeah. of bring it into the physical. Which, yeah. yeah, I find super inspiring. And I, I wish I could do that more myself. Yeah, it's definitely I something I want to incorporate. But yeah, I just I would love to hear you talk about the different things you do to celebrate and why that's important to you. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it predates um, the, that that party um, in the in the park. Um, I think for me, I struggle with celebrating myself. I think there's probably something inside of me that that likes to be a butterfly in certain spaces and it can be hard to have the attention on me per se, uh, which is a very unique struggle, I think, as an artist. But um, I think for me, because everything was so virtual for so long and everything moved so quickly in the virtual setting, then it felt like my hard work and my energy and effort um, wasn't necessarily something I was appreciating. And obviously, unless it did really big numbers or it had a really big moment, then it felt like it was it, it was invisible. Therefore, my story was invisible. Therefore, my energy and effort was invisible. And um, if other people weren't validating it on a level that fostered the idea of like big celebration, um, then it felt like I just glazed over it. 
And so um, I started finding different ways to tangibly mark a release because therefore it would be something that would be attributed to my efforts and something that would stick in my mind more than just the day of. So uh, I put out a song a while back called Here With You, um, which is about my girlfriend. And I surprised her with like a, um, um, a, a surprise picnic in the park, except this one was like a collaboration with somebody who like throws these really elaborate like picnics where they like build you a tent and like it's food and <laughs> wines wow. and all of these different things and panadas and surprised her with it. And it stands out in my mind because it was a moment that um, her and I could share together. That's very personal, very private. Um and and mark the idea of what that song means. So away from whatever it does online moving forward from that day, I can think about that in a positive light instead of being on my phone feeling like my friends didn't share the song, these websites didn't post it, I didn't <laughs> land on these playlists and all the things that sort of invalidate your energy and effort. Um, and so from there, it's just slowly grew into the idea of if we're going to put out a project before thinking about what it's supposed to do, let's just celebrate the idea of putting in the energy and effort and the bravery of putting it out. And let's attribute it to a day with a handful of friends uh, with these like fun mom- mementos, uh, things that we'll all sort of hold on to or remember, at least in part. I don't know that it was sort of created as a day to celebrate the energy and the effort and and the time put in. So even if it doesn't do astronomical things, um, we did have a moment that was very honest and very fun and cathartic and just sharing of of love. So yeah, from there, it was just an idea that it's difficult to find out when you'll have wins large enough to feel celebratory around. But if you sort of just own that this is yours, then you can find ways to celebrate yourself in whatever way um, that feels natural to you. So for me, it's just being around a good group of friends. I can do anything. So as long as you create that opportunity, you'll find out who shows up for you just for you versus it being who shows up because somebody else is going to be there because there's a, a reason to kind of be there because it's a photo opportunity or a networking opportunity. So um, I think for me, it's just been a blast to understand that that's a way to mark um, the day away from whatever it's supposed to do or doesn't do. Yeah, that's so that's so yeah. beautiful. I love that. It's almost like you have to create a practice out of it because Absolutely. if you, even when you do have those moments where like something big happens, it's like, if you don't have the habit of cel- mm-hmm. celebrating yourself, if you don't have yep. the, you know, if you haven't gotten the creative juices flowing about like, how can I celebrate myself? Yeah. Then yeah. the moment that something big happens, you're just standing there. Like I have no idea <laughs> what to do. Yeah. 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 It's also <laughs> how so to fun. celebrate. <laughs> so yeah, you just keep also- on going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's also so fleeting to me. I think um, moments in in and of itself, um, by by the time it's there, it's gone. Um, And so I think that can be the most difficult thing is understanding that celebratory wins are are incredibly fleeting and so far few in between because of how long it takes to get a lot of things out into the world. Um, so yeah, I think one of the things my mom and I talk about is the idea of, of celebrating you first. And not expecting everybody to to share and revel in that, but understanding that you don't need everybody 
to celebrate you. You have to understand that it's important to look at yourself as an individual um, and, and celebrate what it is that you feel is important about you because you've made it to whatever day that may be. And no one will understand how difficult that process is. So if you don't take that moment to celebrate you, it's hard to understand why people don't <clears throat> um, celebrate you in those moments or the level of magnitude in which you want other yeah. people to celebrate you. Wow, that is such a no-brainer, right? I, I've yeah. never thought about it like that. Like, if you don't yeah. celebrate you, like, why? How can you? Like, how, why are other people going to? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's, it's just basic thing. psychology, almost, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. But it's a hard thing to sort of, I it guess, is. learn or, or, or unlearn if that's something that you haven't thought about. Um, but Definitely. it is something I mean, as I've gotten older that I've yeah. prioritized. I struggle to celebrate my birthday, so it's like yeah, same, same, same. <laughs> there's, there's no doubt that I struggle with that too. But I will give this out because this is something that I did this year, um, based off thank God my girlfriend who sort of was like recognizing that I struggle with celebrating myself in certain ways up to a degree, and uh, so what she did was. <clears throat> say you should do something um, once a day during your birthday week that's for you, uh, whatever that may look like. If that's like reading a book that you've always wanted to read, if that's going to a museum, if that's getting your nails done, if that's going to a spa, if that's going for a walk, it's the idea of nurturing yourself in a loving way. Um, and it can be very small or it can be large, you know, it's up to you as an individual. But I think that practice became almost habit forming for me to sort of understand that it's not just about like your birthday week, but it's the idea of being here every day and not taking every day for granted by way of being like, let me procrastinate and celebrating me until such a big moment, like a birthday or a project being out and being like, it's hard to survive every day. It's hard to be in this world every day. But if we can take small moments to celebrate you, figure out what those small things can be inside of your day of responsibility, that just sort of help you feel okay for maybe 15 minutes, hopefully an hour, maybe longer, or whatever the case may be for each individual person. But one thing that I would give out would be that as, as a recommendation. Yeah. And in addition to being someone who's able to celebrate your wins, small mm -hmm. or big, <laughs> you're mm -hmm. someone who, for as long as I've known you, you've always stayed humble and kind first and foremost, regardless of what might be going on in your career or whatever, <laughs> like how big the win is, right? Yeah, yeah. And that is so priceless to me. So I guess mm -hmm. what I, <laughs> yeah, what I want to ask is um, how do you stay grounded in yourself and in your authenticity and your own principles, despite whatever is going on in your career or around uh. you? Um, wow. Wonderful. And, and I'm honored and, and thank you. Um, I think for me, I try to reflect the kind of person that I've always wanted um, somebody else to be for me. Um, and so uh, I try to be mindful of what I, I felt like I lacked and what I feel like was missing in my childhood and through my life as an adult thus far. Um, and, and try to understand that there is something that is inside of me that, um, again, can be helpful to someone else. And I think if I can show up as my best self in every room that I'm in, um, there's a chance that you can do some good 
um, be it big or small. So I'm not looking for a pat on the back for helping anyone or the idea of there being some sort of um, transaction and that it's the understanding to me that um, I'm helping myself get to a better place. Um, and not everybody has that ability inside of them. And and so um, I don't know, I just, I, I wanna be a reflection of, of sincerity um, in case that person that you meet that day just hasn't experienced it and maybe that's exactly what they need. So um, I don't know, I feel like I'm just hypersensitive um, and and understanding also that that's a, that's a lot of responsibility that I put on myself and that's just how I'm wired. So now I just have to find out when and where to take space for myself to allow for myself to get back to that healthy place if I feel like I'm drained or if I feel like I'm in a little bit of um, a funk because my energy is one that can shift rooms in certain ways where my negativity can be felt and experienced on a large degree, just like my positivity. So um, trying to monitor that to make sure that I'm making a positive impact because, again, the world's in a very screwed up place and it always has been, but just getting worse with connectivity in certain ways. Um, and so, yeah, just I don't I don't want to add to what somebody may be going through um, because I was careless with my energy. I was careless with my words. I was careless with my art. Um, so. Yeah, I think that that's just something I, I've taken on. It's just my responsibility and role in life. Um, and it's been fun. It's been rewarding to see friends smile. It's been rewarding to see fans smile. It's been rewarding to see strangers smile based off just a conversation or just based off just looking them in the eye or a compliment. And that, I think, gives me like the, the greatest joy is that we can all do that if we choose to. Yeah, I just think that's so important. And I just really appreciate it so much whenever I see people um, just carrying themselves in that way, I guess. Mm. Like I've seen you for the past like nine years, always regardless of where somebody might be at in their career or, or whatnot, you know, you don't care about that stuff. Like that's not what you where you judge a person on like no, you don't no. judge you know you just meet <laughs> meet a person at, at a human level and uh, yeah. and they get that authentic version of you like you don't just reserve that version for like a, a, <laughs> a very a small group. <laughs> select group you know like I, I do feel like there are a lot of people in our industry unfortunately that do operate from that space Absolutely. and then there are a lot of amazing people too of course of course yeah, you know agreed. but I mean, I remember like being at South by Southwest and, um, mm -hmm. and I'm not going to name drop, even though I'm so like, like part of me really wants to because I'm like, <laughs> like this person. Anyways, it's somebody that I like looked up to for yeah. forever. Right. Yeah. And I was yeah. at South by, I'm excited. I'm like, you know, in the, at this pivotal point in my career almost, and uh, I had the opportunity to meet this person and this person wouldn't even take my hand when I reached mm. out to, I came up after there was a talk and I came up afterwards to say hello and like, and it just made me think, you know, um, if I'm ever in that position, like, yeah. I just hope, I hope, I hope that I will never, ever, you know, make somebody else feel like they're less than or like yeah. they're worthless and that yeah. I am 
better than them <clears throat> and that I, I can't even bring myself to shake their hand. Like, it's just, it's yeah. baffling to me. Yeah. And so I, I do think it's just such an important thing because those moments can really, for some people, like it can make or break somebody's spirit, you know? Absolutely. Like absolutely. if that's, if that's your idol, I mean, I guess that's why there's the saying like, don't meet your idols, <laughs> don't meet your idols. right? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I really, really hope that anybody who meets me that, like you know is a fan of my music or is somebody that's you know looking to get into the music industry or or whatever that I will you know meet them at, at a human level and just be excited yeah. for them on their yeah. journey and and yeah. just give them a little bit of something positive to take with them on their journey like yeah. why why the hell not <laughs> you know yeah yeah no one I mean obviously sorry for that that interaction and 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 obviously that that's a trash moment for um that person on the other end in terms of just not necessarily reflecting um what your hope was and and I think even even like the difficult part of my brain is is the idea of um expectation of idols and the idea of that that saying like you know don't meet your idols is because i think from from our ends as fans is that there's an expectation interaction wise um and then i think about the idea of how many people that they may have met that day with that same level of expectation or maybe higher um and meeting them at the moment in which it sort of reflects negatively on them in my eyes because it was my fraction of a moment and what is their whole day. Um, and, and the idea of when I'm listening to some of those very, very successful people talk about the idea of um, normalcy. And uh, I was listening to uh, Eminem once a very long time ago talk about like the idea of not going grocery shopping because it becomes an event whenever he's out and about. So like the idea is going to pick up cereal and then it turning into two hour outing because one phone comes out, which means five phones comes out, which means a crowd of people, which means now I can't leave the grocery store. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's so valid. Right. Like that, there's, there's also like a time and place, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but the idea is to sort of look people in the eye and be as honest with them as you can in terms of seeing them by not necessarily brushing it off. So when somebody to me still brushes it off, it's to not acknowledge the idea of that moment for that person, but you can do so while still respecting them as a human and respecting the fanship in them and preserving that connection. Because again, that to me is just a careless moment from their end. And my hope is that I'm never that careless even if I'm in a frustrated state of mind, maybe I just finished arguing with somebody and, you know, my energy is, is, is disheveled and now somebody runs up to you and they're like, I want a photo. Hi, hi, hi. And it's like, yo, like <laughs> my head's in a really messed up place right now. You know, thank you so much for, for, you know, appreciating my art, but I'm not in a photo mood. Is that okay? And if that person sort of doesn't meet you as a human in that moment, then it's not really my requirement. To, yeah. to sort of put that to the side. It's just my hope is, again, to just not be careless with that Definitely. affection and appreciation. And I mean, I think it goes both ways, right? Because you do have to have boundaries and, and there's only so much that you can give of yourself. And I yeah. totally get that, you know? And I mean, I feel the same way. But yeah, I do think that in, you know, in certain situations, like if you're like, you know, it would be like me doing a show and then after the show, a fan comes up to me and like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like doing the rounds and taking pictures with people or whatnot, but I'm just like, yeah, like not shaking hands with them because I'm like, 
That's you trash. Know? Yeah, That's really like, trash. <laughs> Super trash. It's just it was like, just like, and it wasn't, it wasn't even, it wasn't just that, uh, the not shake. That was how it started off, right? And then afterwards, uh, like, the conversation was just like so, like, they I'm were above just, it. yeah, they were being so demeaning, like looking around the room, not looking at me and mm. being so like annoyed with the yeah. fact that like, you know, it was just bizarre because then they were taking pictures with other fans and, you know, and like, it was just really strange. Yeah. But, um, so I definitely think there's, a yeah, you have to look at, look at what's happening in the context of what's happening. Right. Yeah. I, I also know that there might've been times when I haven't been like the most, you know, careful with, you know, like answering a fan or, yeah. Yeah. Like being the, being whatever they, their expectation of me is. And Mm -hmm. you can't always live up to that. Right. No, no, that's an impossible standard um, to try and live up to. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, like you said, I just hope that I'm always mindful and careful um, and considerate, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, whilst also being, you know, mindful of of my boundaries and uh, my energy, but in a way that is still going <laughs> to hopefully leave people with a good feeling rather than a bad feeling. Yeah. yeah, I think I think one of the cool things that you mentioned in there that I just wanted to, like, reflect on is just the idea of, like you said, like, that small interaction can make or break um, someone's spirit. And the hope is that, like, even if it doesn't go your way, that it doesn't break your spirit, which is why I monitor my expectations around those moments and sort of, like, minimalize the moment in terms of just saying, like, hey, I'm a fan. Thank you so much for your art and kind of keeping it moving from a standpoint of saying that I, I was able to communicate what it is that I wanted to from just a, from that thing and, and, and not sort of make it a larger thing because then I feel like there's a, a higher chance of me being let down by them and it affecting how I connect to their art. But yeah, it's a, it's an unrealistic standard to try and uphold in terms of saying that you won't do that to somebody along the way. My hope is that again, that in the back of my mind, I'm sincere around why I was unable to match or meet their expectation. And if you can do that, um, then again, it's not on you because it would be on them to not understand that we're all human. And so we can all have down moments if we can't meet you at your expectation level. Um, and, and we're able to tell you why we're not able to, and you can't take that to, to heart and understand that um, we're unable to, but we apologize, you know, apologize for that. Then it's kind of like, there's not much else you can do uh, but yeah, there's definitely no excuse for not necessarily looking somebody in the eye and saying, thank you. That doesn't take much effort and energy at all. Uh, I feel like that's just like a bare minimum, but again, you know, certain people's egos and who they are as a, as a person, um, yeah. can, can let you down. Then. I mean, I do think that some people are just, you know, so used to people wanting something from them that they, absolutely that that's what they expect, mm-hmm. but then that is, they're projecting that onto to everybody yeah. that approaches them and Agreed. that might not even be the case like a lot of 100%. people just want like a word of encouragement or like um yeah like a smile <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. um yeah. and then there are people that might want something but it's like okay you just say no or like you put a boundary down if there's something that you don't want to um absolutely you don't want to share and that's totally fine and you can also do that from a place of of kindness Agreed. because yeah i think there are there are a lot better ways to, to handle that. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, <laughs> another thing that I also find really refreshing about you is that you're not afraid of taking time off social media. No. Yeah. And yeah, I would just love to hear you talk a bit about that and your relationship to social media in general. Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, I didn't have social media before becoming an artist. I think the last thing that I had was MySpace, Jesus, um, <laughs> ages ago. Um, and <clears throat> as far as like social media is concerned, I think that um, my relationship to it is is understanding that um, there is a responsibility to stay connected. But as I said before, when it comes down to intentionality and, and understanding what it is that I'm saying and the value of what I'm saying, I don't necessarily think interacting every day in, in its form when I'm in the process of putting that into my art. I don't think everybody needs to see and hear those things because I do want to have an understanding between me and my art and connecting to me as an artist um, because that's where my social media is, is centered around right now, um, is I want you to feel that in the, in the music itself. And I think in this modern age, um, I can lose sight of why I'm doing it because I'm trying to maintain this false sense of connectivity. Um, and it desensitizes um, the connection to me between the artists, uh, excuse me, my music and um, the audience. If, if I'm not able to really pour that into the art, then there's no real reason to listen to a new project for me because you already heard where I'm at. You've already seen where I'm at. You understand all the stories that the, the project are related to, and it doesn't feel like you feel as connected. So I want my art to feel as immersive as possible, which is where it comes down to me not only thinking about the music itself, but how it translates into the live form, how it translates into videos. And now whenever I'm active again as an artist, it'll just sort of feel like it's all one universe. And that's where, to me, time away is important, is to understand why you're standing in front of people, why you're talking to people, and what you want them to take away. Because, again, with so much saturation, it can get incredibly confusing as to your connection to anyone's art. And the overlapping nature of it all keeps it from feeling separate. So now you can't discern um, how to feel around this artist and this artist and this artist. And if you can't tell how to feel, then you don't know why you lean on them. And therefore, they become less important in your brain. So I want there to be a central understanding of me as an artist, subconsciously and consciously. Um, and that just takes time for me to understand what those things are. Um, and I think I have a grip on it now. I just want to own it fully and pour that into my art and through conversations like this, create that standard and quote unquote expectation um, to uphold as I grow as an artist. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I feel that. I, <laughs> I, I wish I could um, <laughs> implement some of that into my own life. Yeah, I mean, I think um, you can. I think it's possible. I think it's just that there's a sacrifice that, that's made yeah. in terms of what feels like momentum because mm. of the idea of not being in front of people. Um, I just think that one of the difficult parts about being in front of people is just because you're up there or in front of people um, doesn't necessarily mean that they're taking in anything of, of importance to you. And so I think that that's where, to me, it's choosing your, your words carefully, choosing your posts carefully. And, and so that what it is that you want out of the post is the same thing that's being received. 
Um, and, and so you're less likely to feel invisible by the time you're ready to share what's important to you. If you share all the time, then how do you tell somebody that this is the important post or this is the important project or this is the important music? If you haven't established that, like, that's how you operate is everything is important. Yeah. I did think there's something to be said for having different seasons for, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like seasons away and seasons where you're more active or you're building something and and um, just seasons of your life. And they might be like a year long or mm-hmm. e- even more so and then coming back to it. And mm-hmm. I think this past year, because um, I've been traveling with my partner and I've been kind of very much like in hermit mode with my partner mm-hmm. and like we haven't really been meeting that many people in in real life um yeah. <laughs> so so then my only anchor kind of to the outside world or reality has been social media absolutely and yeah but it, but it, it's also been better than ever before in the space that not from the not from the sense that my socials are growing and it's going super well. Like, no, not at all. Like I'd say it's the other way around, but I've become a lot more intentional just about how I use the platform and who I connect with on the platform and just, Mm -hmm. you know, around building community and the things that are important to me rather than just using it from a place of obligation. I now Mm. feel like I'm using it from a more inspired place where I'm excited to connect with the people that I connect with and the people that I see and the people that I support their work and whatnot, because I'm actually super excited about it. And and it's things that, um, that feed my soul. And that's what I've been cultivating more and more so intentionally. But with that said, I am looking forward to a season of my life where I'm just not on there for a while, (laughs) you Mm, know, where I just kind mm. of like tap out and, um, and actually see people more in real life. But I do think that it's difficult sometimes to, um, to keep that balance. And, um, and sometimes you have to go through a season where you go like really far into one space and Mm -hmm. then there's a season where for going really far into that other space. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, I think it's really interesting because, um, obviously it depends on your purpose for, for being active and what you're sacrificing in being active and what you're sacrificing in being inactive. Um, and I think, um, it's, it's understanding like, to me, like, um, some of my favorite artists are are not active and they've been grandfathered into this time period. So they don't necessarily have to be active, but in their choice of being inactive, it, it means that there's less necessarily like eyes and attention on a day-to-day basis, but it does put more emphasis on what's already out for those people that do think of them and, and primarily puts the focus on that so that it doesn't confuse the audience I think over time as an expectation of you needing to know what's happening in my life day to day to stay connected to my art. Sorry for the airplane that's <laughs> happening in the background. Um, um, but yeah, I think the idea is to, to understand you as an individual and, and why you're doing what you're doing. And if it becomes difficult for you to be active online, it might just mean taking the break to understand why you're active. And, and what the purpose of being active is, 
And, and are you okay with taking some time away and what comes with that? Because maybe when you return, you return understanding why you're active and that creates a better and stronger bond with those that are receiving what you're sharing. Um, and that's where, to me, the importance lies now. It's just having everybody understand what I'm sharing and having a community of people um, that care. Um, and not egotistically expecting people to care about me because I care about me. Like there's too many <laughs> things happening in the world to to think that like everybody is supposed to. So I relinquish that expectation of everyone else. It just means for me being comfortable with what I share when it's time for me to share and fostering that connection as important to me, not just look at me because I don't know, you like three of my songs, like who cares at the end of the day about <laughs> what I post, you know, at that, at that point. So um, I don't know, it's, it's not sort of being in front of people again to just be in front of people. Yeah, I find it really interesting just to hear about how how different people have, you know, a different relationship with social media and, and view it, you know, in a, in a different way. It's just really insightful to, to get, gain that perspective and see if you can apply it to your own relationship to social media in a way. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but we're going to wrap up soon, but before we do, uh, please let our <laughs> listeners know where they can find you okay. <laughs> and connect with you. Yeah, well, well, obviously, this has been an amazing opportunity to connect with you. So I love these conversations. And, and I love what the Purple Path is as a community and, and fosters these kind of natural, honest and authentic conversations of, of humans being able to understand themselves a little better through, you know, the, the platform that you've established. And, you know, it's an extension of, you know, who you are and who I've known you to be. And I think it's an amazing thing. So, you know, first and foremost, let me say thank you as a friend and as a family of yours for the last nine years, but really wow. impressed with who you are today and who you're becoming Thank as you. a person. So yeah, that's all important to say before my socials. Thank you. Again, wow. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, as far as where you can find me, you can find me on all platforms, socially speaking, um, at Apple's Got It, A-P-P-L-E-S-G-O-T-I-T. Um, you may not see me be active, but I, I do pop on there as I am working on something that's really important. So I do watch and, and, and digest what people are sharing and stuff and the love that comes in. So um, I'm appreciative of anybody that is there um, and do get ready for me to be far more active uh, coming up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your beautiful energy with me and everybody listening. I appreciate you so, so much more than I could Hi. ever express. I am honored <laughs> to share this moment with you and to kind of watch this platform continue to grow. And if there's anything that I can do to help, you know, just let me know. Otherwise, thank you for allowing for me to share some of the progress that I've made as a human in the last <laughs> few years and as an artist as well. So this has been you. wonderful. And I, I look forward to uh, hearing feedback from people along the way. Yeah, thank you so much. Take hey, care. Hey, <laughs> let's go. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for walking the purple path with us. As always, you can find links and resources mentioned in this episode in the show notes. If you enjoy this episode, feel free to share it with someone you think might benefit from it or tag me on Instagram at music and let me know what you thought of it. I love hearing from you, so thank you in advance. 
If you want to support this podcast so we can keep it completely ad-free, you can head over to patreon.com slash thepurplepath and subscribe at the $3 level for more content and support on your journey. I do another weekly recording over on the Patreon for anyone who wants to hear more from me, and you will also have access to Patreon bonuses for every episode of The Purple Path, including guided meditations, giveaways, PDFs, events, personal stories, and of course, the chance to chat more with me directly as well. You can also leave a review on iTunes for the chance to feature in an upcoming episode. I'm going to read every single one, and I would love to hear how people are receiving this podcast. I am so grateful to you for sharing this space with me. Thank you, and be well. Thank you.